When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spirit and Steinberg Podcast. Right here with Bartholomew Carrington the third. Ten dollars, a lot of money. Yeah. What time is it? Game time. Space. Red foots the liquid slave lady. Can you feel it, baby? And that's how I get home. Oh, my God. <clears throat> I hope you guys had a merry motherfucking Christmas. Uh, Andy, how was yours? It was uh, It was, It was. was good Christmas. I didn't see my kids. That's the, the thing that is sticking with me. But other than that, yeah, I had a good Christmas. I'm going to see, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to see my boys in a, in a few weeks. And, uh, so we're just doing it one, one shot. We're going to do Christmas then, but, uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. Okay. Yeah. You, well, you, it, you, your Christmas, I, you know, uh, as you know, uh, I had to perform in Dania, Florida, somewhere I've never been before. That's really uh, Fort Lauderdale, on, on, right? That's Fort Lauderdale area. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had to uh, go do that uh, somewhere I've never been and uh, basically spent Christmas, uh, you know, in a hotel room. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer um, and act like, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me to want to spend Christmas the traditional tree and fa-la-la-la-las and stockings and family and gifts and all that good shit. Uh, but as I've said many a times, you know, Christmas is for the kids. It's their Super Bowl. Um, so you don't have to get me anything, but I still would be nice to be in the festivities of the moment. Uh, and, you know, eggnog with spiked with uh, some some Henny uh, and, you know, playing my video games and smelling food and ham and shit in the stove on in the, in the oven and, you know, all the side dishes. Um, but you know, uh, I'm working on that. Yeah. Well, you were, you were working. Yeah, I was working. If I, listen, if I had the family atmosphere, I probably would have chosen to not work. Uh, but since, you know, uh, it's bar humbug at my house, uh, I said, fuck it. Let me go make some money. Well, you know, we, I, I like doing uh, Christmas Eve anyway. And by, yeah. by the way, for everybody out there, so that they can understand me a little bit better, who knows me at all or knows me through the podcast, I am Mexican and Jewish. I do celebrate. You're a juju bean. Yeah, juju bean. I, I take I take advantage of both. Uh, I but I like Christmas, and I like Christmas specifically for this. I don't celebrate uh, the holiday of Christmas in any other way besides it's like a very peace and goodwill day towards mankind. I think we most. 
I, I think most people celebrate it for that reason, even if they are religious, but it, they see it as a, you know, in, in times of war, people have uh, had ceasefires on Christmas. And I, and I, and I, and I think the holiday is quite uh, attractive with its uh, lights and how, and how it's done. So I really enjoy the festivity of Christmas. That being said, I'm out here. Uh, I like Christmas Eve. And so I considered going out there with you uh, to Florida to, to do that show. But right. by the time that date came on, it was ridiculously expensive to go out to Florida because the people uh, who are my other half, the Jewish side, all go to Florida for the for Christmas holiday who live out in the East Coast because it's warm. So right. uh, so those tickets were no longer affordable from the area which I, I reside. So that's what that's the reason. Right. I didn't go out there, but I would have. I would have because I would have done Christmas Eve with my girl and her family, and then uh, we would have. Uh, I would have headed out and did uh, did that with you and hung out with you, and we would have had a Christmas. We would have had some fun on Christmas, regardless. But that didn't work out that way, right? So, um, and listen, man. Truth be told, uh, you probably would have been glad you didn't come to this show anyway. Uh, it almost sucks that after three weeks off, getting back into it. This crowd had to kind of sort of stink, uh, but they was okay. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, Mississippi or Chuckle or, or Memphis bad, but they weren't. It's a holiday. Ontario. Crowd. It's a holiday, uh, though. It's a holiday. I don't know, crowd. I, you know, I don't know that I invest into that. And Neri said the same thing. You know, it's Christmas, man. What the fuck that got to do with chuckles? Laughs is laughs. But so only certain people come out during that time. They're looking for a little getaway from uh, family, maybe, or or they're looking for something to do with family. But it's been it's a lot. I mean, I don't either know. way, whether you're looking for something to do or whether you get wanting to get away, I think comedy serves the purpose for both of those things. Yeah, but they don't necessarily know you, so they might not. They might go to the comedy Ooh. show. The people that go to comedy, they might not know your comedy. They know you, but they might not know your comedy. A lot of comics run into that on the holidays because people are looking for something to do. Oh, Ari Spears. I know Ari Spears from this and this and this. And they go see him. And then you go and you tell a big pussy joke. And then they're like, oh, it's Christmas. Because they, so, weren't, they weren't ready. So they open up the box and it's just nothing but pussy. And they weren't ready for that gift. Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> they open. Okay. They open. They opened up that dildo box in front of all their friends, and the, all the girls started blushing. That's what happened. Uh, yeah, my 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 spider instincts tell me that even if it wasn't Christmas, this crowd was what it was going to be. Um, but you said something to me uh, where you said I'd save Tara, and you said you would tell me on the podcast when you text me that. What does that mean, dude? It was so funny because, uh, and it's not that funny, but I, I thought it was funny because. It last, if you would have saw her face, it was I was unbelievable. Uh -huh. So you you uh, you text me. Yeah, we were texting last night, right? We didn't talk. We were texting. Yeah, right? no, no, texting. And you said, uh, so we're going to do the podcast tomorrow. And I go, yeah. And so I text back, yeah, we're going to do the podcast tomorrow, whatever. And she heard, like, I kind of might have said it as I was writing it, so to make sure that I, because I might have read it back, because I mess right. up my my text all the time to you, and I'm trying to get better at it. So I was reading it back, and she goes, oh, you guys doing the podcast tomorrow now? And I go, yeah, you know, we all, we usually try to get it done by Monday, you know. And she goes, yeah, but tomorrow's Sunday. And I go, nah, tomorrow's Monday. And she goes, tomorrow's Monday. And so then she went back and she looked at it and she Christmas was on. And you know, she's you know, like you know, right. well, Christmas was on today. And today, oh, today's Sunday. Oh, 
and she had to go back. She was working again today. She right. was so sad. And I was looking at her sad face because she realized that she lost a day just in, you know, the holidays and what happened. Right. And then I said, but, she, you know, she, when, especially after holiday, people haven't done a lot of work. The attorneys have maybe pushed some things off until after the holidays. And I said, could you imagine if Aries didn't text us this and I didn't respond to his text and you thought it was Sunday today? And you would have just slept and you would have woke up at noon and you would have had like a thousand tech, you know, text messages and emails. And she like, you saw her face and she I could see the fear in her like, oh my God. And I go, Aries just saved you. You owe Aries. So, (laughs) (laughs) so without that, she might've went to bed thinking that it was Sunday or thinking today was Sunday, would have woke up and had tons of work and she would have it, it would have been it would have been a catastrophe for her. So did you define with her what you owe Aries means? Well, it's what I mean it to mean. Oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to tell her, just tell you know Andy sit outside the door no, for no. a good five minutes. No. It'd be over quick. <laughs> are you are you the are you sexually the the definition of a, a drive by like? In, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I fuck from the side, nigga. Got them niggas hold their pistols from the side, nigga. When I do a drive-by fucking nigga, I'm on my side when I fuck. Just get in, out, and you're, you're down out, the street and, before and anybody I, even knows. I hit all hit. kind of uh, wasn't supposed to be hit motherfuckers. I killed the babies and the grandmothers and, and the nigga that just went to college. I get semen over all the innocent. Uh, speaking of drive-bys and uh, hits and semen all over every... You, you did. I, I saw that you posted the new snowfall date on your. Yes. Phone. February 23rd. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nigga. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to see dancing address back in the, in the swing of things. I want to I, I want to see if he still has that uh, uh, Denzel kind of vibe to me or if he if he push that aside because uh, uh, he might have you know what they say man never meet your you heroes. know social media is cute but you gotta do the work uh-huh you gotta do the work it's very cute <laughs> never meet your heroes is what they say yeah i mean listen I, again i we talked about it i think if denzel really knew his work He'd tip his hat to him because how could you not? Yeah. But, you know, that's life is funny that way. They'll they'll probably end up working together at some point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. You're probably you're probably right because that's how life really does work. Uh, the people. Yeah. Because life likes to keep people in uncomfortable situations. And I think that'd be uncomfortable for the first few minutes. But for him uh, more than Denzel. But you yeah, know. yeah. Yeah. So. uh that's that's it. That's all that happened. Did you leave presents for? Did you Santa Claus it up? Did you leave presents for the children under the tree? I'm, I'm dude. I'm like a fucking uh, old old rich father who's never hugged his kids. I just give money. <laughs> nah, nah, I don't give affection. I give money. Uh, no, nah, I give affection uh, when I can or when she allows me to. Dude, I've seen uh, you with your kids, so that's that's not a fair statement. It's not, but it is though. I I, I I get it because, but when you're when you are with your kids, I've seen you. And, and, yeah, when it's time to rock and roll, I can rock and roll. But and, uh, and and when you talk about your kids, when you actually talk about them, you have a you see the love in it. Yeah, it's more it's more hope than love. <laughs> 
Only I hope shit works. Dude, my son called me to tell me, look for him at the game. He went to the Suns Warriors game. Yeah. So now I'm at the point where now I'm envious a little bit of my son. Now it's not only like, you know, like I like I used to be hopeful. I used to be uh, wanting him to succeed. And now he's succeeded. I'm like, he don't need you, nigga. Damn, man. Doesn't need me. Now he's Back living, up, Jew. He's living, he don't life, need you. living a better life than me. Hey, that too. That's what it's supposed to be. No, I no, I was so excited for him because he works real hard. He definitely deserves it. I was just disappointed the Suns couldn't give him that W instead uh, after mm. spending the money for those seats. But you know, they, it was a good game. I don't know if you watched any 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 basketball or I didn't watch any football. None. No, I didn't. I, I didn't get it. I was traveling on uh, Red Eye Christmas Eve, and then by the time I got to the hotel room on Christmas Day, I was so wiped. I slept all fucking day. And uh, the hotel had that, the, the the kind of bed and pillows where you just go into a coma. So uh, I didn't get a chance to watch shit. Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you enjoying yourself on your uh, on on your uh, mini trip here. But you're staying. You're still in Florida, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm here because you know we got Miami uh, coming up. So for New again, Year's, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't tickets. make sense for me to fly home for a couple of days and turn around and come all the way right back where I had just left. The 30th so through said, the 2nd, guys. 30th through the 2nd. Yep. We're going to be at the Miami Improv uh, telling jokes. Why don't you come out with your good personalities and not your holiday personalities? Uh, Want to talk about Sesame Street? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Hey, remember, y'all, I told you, uh, I think it's called Street Gang. Uh, how we got to Sesame Street. How we got to Sesame Street. Street Gang. I, I, again, you would think, oh, my God, Sesame Street for fucking kids. It is such, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, this documentary is a fucking ten. Uh, obviously, if you grew up with Sesame Street, you know Sesame Street. It ain't just about the puppets. Uh, the history and certain little nooks and crannies is amazing. I want to tip my hat off to Miss Joan Cooney, who was really the woman and the powerhouse responsible and uh, the brainchild behind Sesame Street. And something that I didn't know uh, until you see this documentary was that, yeah, it's for kids, but it was specifically geared to black kids. Inner city That kids. was the agenda. Yeah. That was that was Miss Coney's. Cooney's agenda but, but because of, of, of the, you know, education system not being as equal to white kids and the way black kids were coming up. They felt like let's target black children. So thank you for that, white lady. Yeah, but you, you keep saying black children. It was inner city children. Niggas, black children. But, you know, there's other people besides black kids that live in the inner city. Yeah, the fucking spicks. <laughs> I just want to make sure you got to my side of the yeah, fucking yeah. table. Niggas, spigs, beans, fried chicken. We all eat from the same shit. I just want to make sure you got to that side of the table because uh, the, 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 the look of Sesame Street is Brooklyn. Right. And, and yeah, uh, you know, I didn't know until you watched the documentary that that was the inspiration. Yeah. And it was cool to watch those original openings for Sesame Street that they showed on there. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because then you, you really see it. Because it, it went from its uh, when I, I when I watch Sesame Street, uh, I can kind of remember some of those older scenes. But you know, they reran Sesame Street and played other. Uh, I I didn't see. I saw it more as the Muppets. But yeah, right. when you saw that opening scene, 
That that was that, that was enlightening. That reminded me, brought me back to remembering all that. Now, before we get too deep into this, uh, did you watch the Electric Company at all as a kid? No, I did not watch the side bitch of the two shows. <laughs> I was just curious. I just wanted to know because Sesame Street was Nike and Electric Company was just above British Knights, but uh, boarded into Reebok. Okay, because I was I, I'm like you. I was a Sesame Street fan, and I tried to watch Electric Company because you know, especially I don't know how many channels you had growing up, but I had three. Plus, we had, we, come on, I'm from, we from that era, okay, the three-channel era. Yeah, but you had cable still when you were growing up, didn't you? Yeah, later, later when we got okay. a little bit of money. Yeah. So just, just so people who are listening that don't remember this day and age, there was, a, uh, there was a knob on the TV, and it had, I think, what, 16? Cha- it, it showed 16 numbers. But, but only, it only, yeah. There was only four channels. There was your three four, major channels. Four, seven. Yeah. And there was- Four, seven, two- and PBS. That, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the, the local channel, which were PBS. Right. was So, right. uh, and Fox news didn't come out to Wayland. That was 80. Yes. So not, not, not news. Fox television. Sorry. Fox television. I think Fox came out till nineties. Nineties. Yeah. Might've been nine. I don't even know. I, because I, that's when they was using all black people to get their network where it needed to be before they dropped niggas. So yes, that was the nineties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, and, and, uh, CNN, which is 24 hours, the obviously 24 hour news, you could find them on the UHF channel. Some people got uh, that weird frequency channel and you could find, right. you could find that as well. So, uh, but at that time when I was a kid, you mean during the day, Sesame street. And then a few hours later, you could get a lecture company. That was, that, that was it. Tell me if you knew this, because I didn't know till I watched this documentary that it was like, I evidently thought, that I came into Sesame Street from the very beginning when I didn't. And I say that because I I thought that I didn't know that Holly Robinson Pete's dad was Gordon before Gordon. Yeah, no. I came in with with the bald black dude. I didn't know they started earlier than that with somebody, they had another black dude on. Yeah, I I knew that. I came in because I think that was 69. So I was right. there at 70. At 70, I was f- uh, four and five, uh, but I, I know that I was watching it at five. Uh, right. And uh, so I know that he was still there, which, which, so yeah, I came in at the beginning. I was there at, at the impetus of, 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 of Sesame Street. And, and, but my, my Sesame Street dudes were Ernie and Bert. That, that's like Ernie and Bert were my, I like Big Bird. I liked all, but Ernie and Bert, for whatever reason, because I want your puppets. I wanted friends. And those guys were friends. So they, you know, right. I, I grew up, I, my, when my mom got separated from my dad, we lived uh, by my grandmother. It was all old people. Right. And uh, so I didn't, uh, we lived, actually, there was this little trailer. There was four trailers on this lot next to my grandma's house. My mom moved into one of those trailers so that my grandma could watch me when she went to work. And so, and there was all only old people that lived there. So that's what I was around. So I wanted friends. So Ernie and Bert were my friends. Right. I don't know that I was partial to any one puppet. Uh, Oscar. I think I, I think I like them all. <laughs> you, go uh, you know what? You know what's funny, dude? I swear to God, this is one of those where I'm going to say it again. Hand to God, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I was going to say Oscar. But then I just went, nah. But then you said, wait. that's how comedic minds work. Because you went, nigga, you're Oscar. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a grouch. And if shit don't go right for me in the next two years, I might live in a trash can, nigga. <laughs> Dude, I really liked, 
and I don't know why I liked him. So I like Snuffleupagus because. Oh, that big. What was it? An elephant? It was uh, a woolly mammoth. I don't know because only Big Bird saw him. Hey, bird. Hey, bird. <laughs> Dude, I, Dude, I don't know. I, I, I got to go back to, 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 to the Gordon dude, yeah, yeah, the yeah, original yeah, yeah. Gordon. Yeah. And, and this is how you know. You said 60. When did 69. it show officially? 69, I think, was the okay. first year. So 69. So obviously it ran through the 70s, which is when the first Gordon was on. Remember when we, I forget where we were in Ohio. And twice you've done this now. Well, you called me out on my hair. Yeah. And the first time you did it, I, I lost my shit because I was like, this nigga really knows black people. And then the second time recently, you told me I need a lineup. You know, the 70s is when niggas didn't comb their hair. Right. And that dude, Gordon shit, was like, looked like he just crossed with the South meets the North <laughs> in a, an attempt to escape. <laughs> His shit was unkept. But, okay. But the uh, let me let me let, let's I'm gonna I'm gonna hit, I want to talk about what you just said. I want to talk and about then that. I'm gonna make my real point with that. But go okay. ahead. Okay. But I want to make that. And here's the point that I'm gonna make. That the, the original afro where it's that 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 would you see the in that 70s time period the big right. afro and how you said then you said it wasn't lined up was but you see Trevor. Do you ever watch the Daily Show with Trevor Noah? Yeah. And he's growing out a kind of a tight short afro right now. Yeah. But he's all lined up. Yeah. I to me it done it because maybe because of the air that I grew up and how I what how I right. look at that, that doesn't look right. Because he's light skinned. No, nah, it stands out. No, no, no. It stands out more. You you, you because he's light skinned, it's a contrast. So you got that jet black hair and you got that his his complexion. So any detail stands out. Maybe because you, I, you, you know what I'm saying. You, I mean, you could see a crisp lineup on a dark skinned dude, and it looked good. But what stands out most? It's like a brighter light. You see more. May, maybe because on Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose has that that uh, kind of almost look, but his is a little different. I don't know why. Trevor Noah's it just it doesn't look. It doesn't have that 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 feeling that like that 70s vibe right. that I, I got. Plus, from he's it. South African, so he's black, but. Nigga, come on, man. Okay. I told you. The 70s, <laughs> let me, I told you. My dad's era was the blackest, realest, rawest. That's when niggas was shiny and afroed, unkept. Niggas it, was greasy all the time. But that that's the hair that I think, because when I think of that, I, 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 I told you this. I don't think I know. I don't know if I said it on the podcast before, but I grew up by the Air Force Base. And so it was black dudes uh, and with either a tight, Tight, short afro, or or you know, then when they left that, when they left the air force, the bigger, or when they were out and they got it picked out, that was the thing right. that I remember, watching dudes get their afro picked out at the pool, and their girls braiding their hair. That's like, right. so that's how I, that's how I even come in contact with black hair. That's what it's from is is being around dudes and and thinking that was cool. Because, you know, yeah. white dudes weren't getting their hair picked out and they didn't have their girls braiding their hair at the pool. So there, there was something in that. And when you brought it up, I, I really and I, and I noticed that on Trevor Noah. I just I don't like that new look. I, I, I'm still partial to the Jimi Hendrix afro. Right. OK. Well, the, the, let me get back to the real point with, with the yeah. Frank, with the with the Gordon dude, you know, and this is one of those, again, head scratches that I don't quite get from my community. 
and then I'm going to quote what was said and you give me your stance on it. You know, they said they came up with the black character puppet Franklin, yeah. which Gordon came up with. And sure as shit, black people complained. They wrote in and they specifically said uh, blacks didn't want to be reminded that they were musically inclined while the whites, meaning the white puppets, are intellectual. Um, Roosevelt Franklin, by the way, was his name. Roosevelt Franklin. And this is, again, when I go, what do niggas want? We complain when, we, when we're not included, but then when we get included, we still complain. And let's just deal with the complaint. Musically inclined. Are we not musically inclined? Let's be honest. Black people, in terms of culture, in terms of talent, yes, great singers come in all colors. But come on, man. Niggas are the best. It's like track and field. When it comes to running, can white guys run? Yes. Are white guys fast? Yes. Who's the fastest? Niggas. Who are the best singers? Black folks. Whose style gets stolen and copied and mimicked? Black folks. So it's like, why are we complaining about something that is a part of our culture, that is rooted in our heritage, and we're some of the best to do it? I would think highlighting that is a good thing. And when I watched it, when I watched the clip of the character puppet Roosevelt Franklin talking, it wasn't like he talked like this or some stereotypical eyes of bees of shows of shows. He wasn't like, where that CD is? Where they is? It, he, he spoke in a rhythm that you could tell black people talking with style and flair. You know, when you hear niggas talk, you don't have to necessarily see it to go. That's a black dude. Okay. But if I was to be, if I was with you and we were out and I said, and we heard someone's voice and I said, oh, that's a black dude. Is that, but does, does that, uh, and now I'm giving a cadence to a black person. Like only black people talk that way. Or I know that what that you wouldn't want that from a white dude. Would you? It depends because I know, I kind of know where you're going with this and, and I can hear people going again. This is a conversation we've had so much in the black community. What defines blackness now? Yes. And, and I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying stereotypical, a stereotypical thing, but there's a, like George Carlin said, you know, uh, black men are just cooler than white men. There's a cool, there's a delivery. There's a, there's a, there, when you ask every time I'm on stage and you see me at shows and I go to the white girl with the black guy, what's it you like about black guys? Just that swagger. It, there's a swagger when we talk. Now, do all black guys have that? No. Do, do some guys, black guys, sound like newscasters and, and you could can't tell what they are and, you know, you go, that could have been an easier white guy. Yes, but them niggas wear leather shoes with no socks. We know who them niggas are. But at that specific time, 1969, let's say, let's use 69. I think that might have been 70 because that puppet came along after he'd already been on the show. So... While Black America was fighting for civil rights and equality, didn't they want the equality of being able to be a newscaster, as you just said, without having uh, a, a supposed blackness in their voice? Well, you know, listen, I don't know that any station would want to hire 
a black dude that sounds like, you know, he got some swag to him. I think they purposely hire brothers like that. The same way white strip clubs would never hire black women in an all-white, predominantly dominated white female strip club that's got ass and thighs. I said they always hire black women that look like the white girls. That's on purpose. Yeah, well... When I said that about newscasting, though, even white dudes don't speak white Southern dudes don't speak like white Southern dudes. There's a there's a a, a tone that is supposed to be given with, so that you don't have a, an accent. It's supposed to be that. I'm, right. I'm using that as an example. I understand. I'm saying I, I'm not agreeing. I, I think Franklin was, Franklin to me when he came on, and I remember Franklin because I was like that that puppet's the coolest puppet. And remember, Franklin wasn't black; he was purple. Right, but but you get you knew but, what they but were. You knew you, he was. But as right. a kid, I wasn't thinking, oh, that that I just saw that as a cool puppet. Okay, but but again, part part of the point is 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 and I and I guess Sesame Street is more like that now, where now I think what they got gay puppets or or insinuations of gay puppets and they're trying they've always wanted to include everybody. Yeah, it wasn't supposed so to be. So even if you specific. even if you even if your puppet is purple, you have to give it an identity. So that black kids feel included. Right. Yes, he's purple. But, you know, he, he taught with a certain delivery. Yeah, and I thought he was the coolest puppet. Right. And, 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 he, and he was discontinued because of our own. But, yeah. And I think thing, that's shooting yourself in the foot. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just giving the other side of why mm. someone might, might have felt that way. As you're fighting for equality, you're supposed to. How do you how do you take a purple puppet and make it black? I, well, I, you I, know, I, you go ahead. You you can't be so black that you actually are purple. That was, Seal and Bernie Mac nigga was purple. <laughs> that isn't what they were going for, but yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> but I understood their point. I I didn't agree with it because they were they were they were losing. I understood. They were losing the character and the the idea of the if 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 the show was based therefore an inner city kid that was giving some validity to the inner city kid being on TV or someone that would relate to him that they might have known who was that per, that character, right? Where where I but I I think this work gets confusing because I didn't relate to Ernie and Bert because there were they were just Ernie and Bert I didn't see him other than as a Muppet. So if well, you, I looked real close, and I don't know if it was because I was high when I was watching it, but I was like, Ernie and Bird is an orange and a banana, nigga. <laughs> yeah. Basically so, what they are. Right. So I didn't see that. But if you, now, if you, if you, the only character then that you would be giving that voice to was a purple Muppet that you're trying to give him a black voice that I, I understood at that, especially during that time, that doesn't seem like it might be a little, uh, it might have been perceived as as a, a, to certain people that it could have been racist. No, I just think people were overthinking it and, and making something out of nothing. I, I, that, um, I agree with that, but you don't understand I, why they overthought it. No, okay, because it, and even with the part where he goes, where they said when the black people wrote in and said uh, musically inclined versus intellectual. Well, did it, the whole point of Sesame Street was education? Right. So how could one be more intellectual than the other? Franklin was teaching lessons too. Yeah, and Franklin never No, had I, I didn't look at Franklin and go, hmm, somehow there's a difference in a level of intelligence. They all were doing the same thing. 
I, I agree with you. I, I'm just I'm just trying to give that other side and and trying to see if I can come up with a reason that there is that other side. Right. I, I and you know it's unfortunate because, uh, like I said, that was the coolest puppet when I watched it. I was like, that guy's cool, and then he was gone. He was gone quickly. He wasn't on there very long. Oh no, it, you know, and listen, it, it'd be one thing if some white powers that be did that, but I just thought it was fucked up because I'm like, damn, our own people did that. Yeah. So, but this is always this is always the issue in in our society is that the people who want right now as I'm watching both and I, I can do this to both sides the the far right and the far left they do this to each other too they're doing it right now to each other uh but especially i see it a lot more on the left maybe because i i'm, I'm looking for it more in the left because i identify with a lot of the left ideas and then i watch them tear themselves apart and this is not has anything to do with race it has to do with ideology and i'm watching the same thing happen right now where they want to do the right thing but in doing that right thing, they're cannibalizing themselves and we're lo- they're losing people trying to do the right thing. So I don't think it was done out of, obviously it wasn't done out of malice and it wasn't done because they, I don't feel it was done because black people didn't like themselves at that time, at this particular time and moment. They didn't like that representation of themselves. I think it was that they were, didn't want to be pigeonholed into one thing. You know, speaking of, since we're on the race side of things, that piece of shit in Mississippi, William Smith, I don't know if it was the governor or the mayor, well, I forget what his position was, but when the news anchor, because, yes. you know, they, they wouldn't air Sesame Street in Mississippi because of, of the integration of the show. There was too much integration. We don't want them nigga puppets mixing with them white puppets. Uh, but when the guy was asking him why, why this was the case, you could see his eyes darting. Because he just trying to come up with an answer that would even remotely make sense, which we know would be horseshit. And I'm like, you coward motherfucker. How racist do we have to be to not want children to watch a children's show because of integration? And that's exactly what it was. 100%. But again, what I loved about it, ABC put it on. ABC Network started playing Sesame Street and selling advertisement. And so, again, and I I don't, you know, this is where me and you, and when we get into these racial discussions, and it goes all all over the place. But again, money. Money comes back to it. There's money there. Oh, we got to get this back. Uh, I'll agree with you on that one. In terms of TV and advertising, I'll go with you on that one. And you've said it yourself, and, and I love I love the thing that you did. And, and I want to make sure that we say this because of where we're at right now and talking about Sesame Street. You said this earlier about Fox. Uh, Fox, when it came out, really aimed at the black market because the uh, they could they could go after that crowd. And as soon as they built up the, the their ratings and and the people watching their shows, they moved away from it because they wanted to change their marketing again. And so your money's good until they some other better money comes along, I guess, is what is how you kind of put it about Fox. Um, so the, the, the idea of this public network show that was aimed for kids and went into this whole marketing again, 
I, I don't know. It's very, it's very, our, our consumerism in this country is very interesting how it can play fair and then play, uh, as it played fair for Sesame Street and then plays completely unfair, as you talked about with Fox TV. But go on, go on, go on. Go on. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, man, like, I, I love that part where, you know, of course, this was a young, skin tight, big Afro Jesse Jackson was on and he's just got all the kids going, I am somebody. And he ends his big speech with, right on. And all the kids go, right on. I know that burned the Mississippians up. Got my white child talking like a Nick. Right on. Uh, and, you know, it, what was great to see was the popularity of Sesame Street get so big that major celebrities knew being on was good for them. Good for their look, good for their career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you like? Uh, did you like? Did you how? How did you feel about the street of Sesame Street, though the 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 neighborhood? And how, Dude, I mean, let me tell you again. I I didn't know that that that's what it was uh, uh, designed after. And as a matter of fact, and then they cut to. I remember they cut to the the commercial. I guess it was like a commercial in black and white of the black dude showing kids playing in the streets. And one of the things they said was, you know, back in those days, it was almost hell for a child to be on punishment and staring out of a window and seeing all the action on the streets. And this, I got chills, man, because again, this brings me back to my New York roots and what I love. Like, there were kids, did you see how they were playing? Three kids rolling a tire down the street. A fucking tire. Kids, what, what, you had to be inventive because your parents didn't have money. You couldn't get the toys. So you had to find street shit to do. The fucking kids were literally playing stickball in the streets while they had to pause for a car to drive by. Like you took your life in your hands in New York as a kid. And it made you tougher. Uh, I don't know where my fondness for the East Coast came for New York. I don't know where it came because I never had been here and I and I loved it. And I have to think that it came from that because that looked appealing to me. I hate it growing up in like, I grew up in Tucson in Arizona, but it, Tucson is a suburb of, of an imaginary big city, I guess, because it's just a small, you know, you're, you live on a street, you know, you talk to a few people on the street, but we lived on a big street. There was, a, it, it, it was, it wrapped around quite a bit of the neighborhood and so literally there had to be over 50 houses on this street, 25 on each side. Right. Right. I knew, I knew four people. I knew four people. We, we, we my, my, my next door neighbors, my across the street neighbors and another, uh, house down the road. We didn't communicate like that. And in New York, when I watched dude, that, dude, that's why, that's why I say, and, and listen, I know I jokingly give other places shit. And the key word is jokingly. You know, I know I give the South shit, but I got love for the people. I respect the people, but it's just, and listen, how you come up is how you come up. You come up in the South or the Midwest. It's an easy, I'm not saying that, you know, poverty is poverty and, you know, pain is pain, struggle is struggle. So no matter where you come up, if you're in poverty and you're in pain and you're in struggle, that's universal. But when they say an easier way of living, I'm just talking about speed. What I love about the East Coast and New York, you got to be quick. You got to be quick on your feet. 
You got to be quick with your mouth. You got to be quick how you think. Whereas in the South, you just sit underneath the tree and, you know, you know, watch, a, 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 I don't know. The sunset? Some, the sunset or, you know, watch a nigga try to learn how to read or something. It just, it's an easier pace. And the city, man, you got to move. And, and, and being a comic, I just think you, you think quicker, you're slicker, you know, and, and, and I think it makes you, I'm not saying better, but it gives you an edge. I, I would agree that there's an edge. And, and you could always tell the difference to someone who grew up and was raised in New York versus, or Philadelphia even, for that matter, Boston, than people that grew up like where I grew up. There's no, there's a difference. There's, there is just a difference. And, and, and it is the edge. It's that edge. It's that how, how, it's the idea that you have to get up and get to what you want before a million other people behind you get that before you. Because there isn't enough to go around. Like when, right. like when you, when you say that it's a slower, th it's slower because you don't have to worry because it's going to be there when you get there. Whatever it is that you want, it's going to be there. Whereas in, when you- Man, you're in, I don't have to rush that pussy, man. She going to be there. I ain't got to run to that coochie, man. That bitch going to be there. She ain't going to walk. But that's what it is. That's the difference. You have to, you have to, mo if you're not motivated, you ain't going to get what you want. Right. And not getting what you want motivates you. So you right. become motivated and where that doesn't right. happen in other places. Right. I ain't got to go to the dentist. Them teeth going to be there. <laughs> or maybe they won't, but it don't matter. Uh, I still could eat an apple with three teeth and crack open a beer bottle because I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> and I look good. And I look good. That's what you do in the South. You sit under a tree and you drink beer and just watch the sunset. Hey, baby, have me that down, Bill. Open that for me. All right. Well, okay, so back to Sesame Street. <laughs> what, what did you think, though, about... This is, this is the thing that I think my dad didn't like about Sesame Street. Oh, uh, it's the Italian nigga that beat you. Yeah, who 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 who, who, who are these men playing with these toys for little kids? Who are these? Oh, men, that's what he said. Who are these men that want to play with little kid toys for little right. kids? They, they, like they, it was bothersome to him in a way. Like wh why? Why? What kind of man is doing this? Like Jim Henson. Right. I, I I don't know if there's stories. You know, I, I think we could find a bad story about everyone these days, but I don't know about any of. He seemed like he was. You know, he was there for the art form of the puppets, right? And right. And, and the market through Sesame Street, the market were kids. He, but remember, though, early in his years when they showed a black and white footage, he was more towards the darker side of things and to adults, more towards yeah. adults. Yeah, but I said because of Sesame Street, he was able to market it to kids. But I think his love was just for those puppets and for what puppeteering could do. Uh, Let I, me tell you something, man. Did you ever see that movie uh, with Melissa McCarthy? with the bad puppets. I think it was called The Happy Time Murders. Yes. Yes. Did I you did. like that? I I found it uh let me let me let me make sure I say this right. I found it clever and I found it uh uh like interesting, but it wasn't my favorite movie because I I loved it. I like that kind of shit, dude. Uh, there was just, again, I, I go into reality sometimes and I'm like, this doesn't work. And even if that what? was to come alive, it doesn't work. And there was just things about it. But, but, but you got to get really lost in the suspension of disbelief and silliness. Uh, especially in that one. 
But that was when, when the dude jizzed all over the office. Dude, that scene, and it doesn't stop. It doesn't right. stop, and it keeps going and going. Very funny. I'd like to see that again because I want to know if that would hold up today. But I think it probably does because it is. You can do more with puppets. You can do with more with cartoons than you can with anything else. But puppets get you there too. Well, you know. Well, you know. It, it, and getting back to it, like. They showed like, you know, the outtakes and the guy goes, well, they would do things in the outtakes that we would never air. And they were showing the puppets being a little adultish. Yeah. And and I just I just went like, you know, yeah, obviously, you know what it is. It's for the kids. It's marketed for the kids. But sometimes as a comic, especially when you have that twisted, dark sense of humor, that shit could be fun. All I thought at that time was what if the count was, you know, doing a segment with Gordon, the black dude. Gordon, how big is your black cock? Eight inches. Eight. Ah, 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 ah. One. Ah, ah, ah. It goes to the eight black inches. Ah, 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 ah. I just, you know, that to me, just, you know. Yeah, but those guys, I mean, what came out of the Sesame Street was the Muppet Show. And they didn't talk about it at all on this documentary. Which well, I, I didn't know that, that, that Kermit the Frog, Kermit the Frog, Started off on Sesame Street. Yeah, well, I thought he was just Muppets. No, no, no. He definitely was Sesame Street. And he was actually before. I, I, I love when you see, and like you're talking about the more adultish stuff that Jim Henson did, but you see the original like Kermit the Frog and you see some of the original, like Fozzie Bear was an original character and uh, right. some of the uh, other characters. So you saw them pre Sesame Street uh, or pre Muppets. But the Muppet show gave him that that more adult audience where they could say the things that as long as they said them in a way that the little kids didn't understand it, but they were still saying it. I would have to rewatch the Muppets because I don't ever remember the Muppets getting risque. No, it wasn't risque, but they would have those little inside jokes that just like Disney has a lot of those inside jokes that unless you're an right. adult, you're not going to catch it. Uh, I, I thought that that was, uh, I, I liked that he, Jim Henson was able to continue with the Muppets. It didn't stay at Sesame Street, but besides, right. but I love, like, I I think that, but what is it that, cat, like, Big Bird, the, the first big, I love that the guy. He looked like a crackhead, didn't he? In the first one, right? The, that the, first Big Bird was crackhead. The eyes man. were real close. And, yes. And but, the hair was kind of balding up top. Yeah. But the, the, the puppeteer said, no, nah, that's not his character. This is interesting to me. I think acting, you, you have an idea of what you want to present. I never thought about it as that those puppeteers, I know it sounds ridiculous. I would have not right. made the connection, but that dude has to be big bird to be big bird. He's acting. He's not. Right. I, and he said, I don't think I love when he comes back and says, I don't think big birds like this. He's not goofy. He's this, he's, he's childlike. He's this. And then he starts breaking down the character of big bird. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, like these guys aren't just like they're, there's they're connected to the the characters that they're playing, and I didn't think about it as actors. I just thought, you know, someone they were just this, guys controlling puppets. Puppets. I never in my whole life until I saw that never even considered that these guys. I thought someone writes a script and they make the mouths and the arms move. I never thought about them actually being in the character of Big Bird or being who Ernie is or who Bird is. You know, it's it's. Uh especially when you think of something as silly when when you when you connect it with the word silly you almost don't respect it but when you look at how great the work is that means it's an art 
Yeah. There's an art to it. And if yeah. you take it seriously and you give it your all, uh, what might seem silly to most, when you really pay attention to it, it, it it's to be respected. It's an art form. Yeah. But I don't know why I never made, I, I feel dumb as I'm saying this to you that I never made the connection to the puppeteer understanding the character, like actually right. getting into that. And that big bird, if they would have kept that original big bird, that was horrible. Yeah. Oh no, it was terrible. So, um, what did you think about the live people though? I mean, I know you brought up, uh, um, I, I forgot his name. Um, Jim Henson. No, the, 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 the there's going to be one, the black guy who was on originally. Uh -huh. Uh, uh, Gordon. Gordon. Uh, what did you think? H Holly Robinson, Pete's dad. D yeah, right. What did you think about the rest of the cast, though? Did you feel that that... Oh, dude, let me, let me tell you something. Um, what, what was her name? The chick that played the Spanish chick, Maria. Yo, she was hot, son. <laughs> she was. You don't think she was hot? No, no, I said she was. Yo, she was, she was hot, yo. Um, let me ask you this, and this is just... When, when the guy who played... The store owner died and they had Mr. Hooper, you know, Mr. Hooper, and they had the cast respond to it. And, and I love the fact that they said they never tried to play down the children. Right. Um, they played them at their level, but they never played down to them. But when they had the funeral and they, of course, they had Big Bird sing at the funeral. If you're sitting there, you going this corny shit. Well, but you saw the other the other cast members crying at the same time. Yeah, but come on, did we was that? Did we have to do? Did we have to do that? I'd I rather Grouch had popped his head out the trash can and said, "This motherfucker's dead." Yeah, but I, I understood they were trying to handle it for someone who would miss. I liked that they were trying to to give this this teaching moment to maybe kids who were three and four years old. And explain to him in a loving way that you can still love a person after they're gone, and there's still respect for people after they're gone. And actually, what I thought was interesting too, and what they bring up in Sesame Street, and this was one of those moments that was perfect for it, is that they had to make this interesting to the parents because they found that the kids learned more if their parents watched it with them, because then the kids would ask questions. Right. And so that's one of those moments that opens up a door. I remember going to my mom. And having to ask her about death because Mr. Hooper died. And my mom didn't handle it as well as they handled it on Sesame Street. Right. So, yeah, man. I I, I still like, I, I like that they did it that way. I'd like, you know, I'd rather. Well, no, I, I like the moment on Sesame Street, how they did it. But the actual funeral. Yeah. When they're, well, oh, when they're coloring the pictures. Oh, no, when, I, remember the actual funeral in the church. Yeah, no, they had Big Bird in the church yeah, singing. Yeah, that was a little. That was. Yeah, I just thought, you know, come on, we get it. Yeah, man, I, I, you know, that's interesting too because if they were being all inclusive, now that I think about it too, if you're being all inclusive and you take it to the church, now you're 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 excluding some kids that might not identify with Christianity. So, it's interesting. I wonder how they would deal with that with t today if they would deal with it exactly the same way. Right. Uh, you know, one thing, and I, I actually, you know, almost damn near teared up at this moment because it just was like, yes. That moment where basically Joan Cooney says that she says to the network when it was time to renegotiate Jim, Hen Jim Henson's contract, 
give him whatever he wants. Yeah. No fight, no, you know, nickel and dime. And she knew his worth. And most importantly, she respected him. Yeah. Why the fuck can't all producers, studio heads, network heads, if you got a person who delivers, pay the motherfucker. Don't be the two Jerry's. Pay the motherfucker. And I just, I got goosebumps because I was like, damn, she loved him, adored him, she said, respected what he did. And she went, give him what he wants. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's amazing when the art uh, trumps the business. When, when they yes. go, the art's more important. The, the, we will make our business as long as the art's good. Instead of the business people going, we got to keep this the business. The reason you have the business is because the art was there before. The business came from the art. The art didn't come from the business. So I don't understand this. I, I, I was watching a, a Sopranos thing, and not that the Sopranos and uh, Sesame Street go together, but it would be really funny to see an episode of Soprano Muppets. But... Um, that's what they talked about. I think about that, with, felt like, that felt like a cue. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. But they, they, they was, right, today we're going to learn about the fucking alphabet. You got A, you got B, you got C, you got D, you got A. F stands for forget about it. Oh, you know, fuck it. Uh, well, you got you got W. This stands for fucking whack. You got uh, you got the fucking the, the J for the jiggables, uh, the, the fucking S for the spitch. Yeah, you know, the D for the dykes. Q for the quiz, and the M for the man I got, S for the fucking spaghetti. So when you learn that, kids, you're going to be fucking gravy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> try this, try this, doing this joke, uh, because it's perfect for Sesame Street and that. Uh, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven ain't I. <laughs> seven fucking ain't I. And you know who ate fucking seven, eight, and nine? Fuck a pussy. <laughs> Imagine that. Pussy eating something instead of you eating the bushy. Hey, kids, come join us tomorrow. It's going to be fucking great. We're going to whack the fucking count. He was off on the money. <laughs> uh, Oscar would be like a great mob guy, by the way. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, Oscar, guess what? We just killed two fucking niggas. We're going to put them in your trash can and just keep the bodies here until this thing blows over with the fucking FBI. You don't have a problem with that, do you? All right. Good fucking guy. Wait, wait, now you got to do Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction. Does this look like dead? Wait, Pulp Fiction. I I know the movie, but which? Dead N-word storage. Oh, this is is like fucking dead nigga storage to you? (laughs) Come on, Grouch. I know it's not dead nigga storage, but it's a fucking trash game. Give me a fucking break here. Uh, That's fucking great. Um... Uh, okay, but back to what we're saying. Uh, what, you know, what? because you fucking ass raped me, I'm going to send over three hard pipe-hitting niggas. All right. <laughs> they, they said uh, the thing that made Sopranos great was that it was a singular one man's idea. One man's. There was no notes, right. no executives. It's just Chase's David ideas. Chase. That's it. Yeah. And when all those other things get out of the way, it makes things amazing. And they really let her 
And uh, who was the producer? I forgot the name of the producer at the the, the director or producer at the time right. that was also critical to the I forgot his name and I feel bad because he's dead and went through a lot. But uh uh those guys, it was their vision, it was the vision that they had. And I don't understand why the business can't realize they don't exist without the art. The arts I always I, I always said because it feels like they have to qualify their positions. I drive the big Mercedes that I park in the parking space that has my name on it. I have this important title. I'm the senior vice president of comedy, which I don't have a comedic bone in my body. But because I have that title, I have to act like I play a part in comedy. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes they do get it right. Like the uh, the guy who was the head of HBO for uh, for a long time. That used to be the, the the doorman at the at uh, the improv, right? I forgot his name now. Uh, mm. And he's like at Stars or something like that now. I don't even remember where he's at now. But he's the one responsible for all the comedy specials and everything that HBO did and recognizing. But but he was around it. He he knew all the guys. He knew what was happening. But those aren't really the guys that. They, but he knew, like he knew enough that he wouldn't tell them how to do a special or what they should do on their show or how to write their show. Right. I, I find this very interesting. Sesame Street, could it happen today? Could, uh, do you think? Well, it's officially gone now, right? No, it's on. It's still on? Yeah, but it's digital. Like, like a lot of the things, cartoon, it's, it's one camera. It, it's different. It's not the way it used to be? I don't think so. I haven't watched it. I've just seen it if, if, uh, in the mornings. It'll pop on. Um, really PBS here. And I don't know okay. if they, maybe they're all reruns, but I know they, they, I know that they added some new characters. So I'm assuming that it's still on. Well, yeah, but they, like I said, I know that they, like they added one character that, and they actually tackled the issue of black lives matter. I remember seeing a clip about that. And I think they also tried to tackle homosexuality. So here we are. Uh, I'm trying to see if it's uh, I, I'm yeah it says original release November uh, November 10th 1969 to present so it's still on yeah it's still on yeah uh, I, I, I but do you think it could happen today do you think that they could start from ground zero nowhere and let somebody like a Jim Henson and these guys put together something like this you know you'd have to you'd have to be a hit out of the gate and you'd have to be a powerhouse when you're a powerhouse so much so that, listen, at the end of the day, technically anybody can be fucked with. Nobody's above being fucked with. But if you, the more of a powerhouse you are, the less likely you'll be fucked with. Can the studios tell Spielberg no? Yes. Do they? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you know, technically, yeah, they can. Anybody that signs the check can. But that's Spielberg, man. But let me ask you this. Is Spielberg lost money three for three movies in a row? Does he start getting nose? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like without a doubt. You were like, oh. Yeah, yeah. When the money starts dipping, they'll give you a little bit of a grace period because your reputation precedes you. But uh, that window doesn't stay open very long. So you could stink up the joint once or twice, but if you stink it up three times. Yeah, you got to move, nigga. <laughs> You ain't know you no longer have a, a room in the guest house. <laughs> uh, so, did you have you ever? And I'm going to ask you this, but even though you, I already know what you're probably going to answer, you never sat down with your kids and watched Sesame Street. No, because 
by the time I had kids, uh, I had moved in such a fashion in terms of the directions in my life. Um, I just don't be around them motherfuckers, man. Like that, where, where, where you yeah. wake up in the morning and sit there. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's different, man. I, I told you, man, I, I, I got to work on being a better dad, man. You know, I'm, I'm not the greatest, man. I, I did a little bit, but not as much. When, when people ask me if I was a good dad, I'd go, I go, I did all right. You know, I would have liked to have done better. And that's, right. I would have liked to have had some more of those moments. But I was, I was single dadding it a lot, and I was working and trying to figure it out. So I didn't have that opportunity, but I, I really wish I would have spent more time with them on, on some of this, but because it, it it goes back to my childhood and I would have that connection with them a different way. Right. Right. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to at least do a little bit of what my parents never did for me or, you know, be teach them or at least try to be, get them to be a little bit financially literate. Uh, I just, for Christmas gave them, uh, my daughter AT and T stock because it's got an eight point thirty seven percent dividend. So at least if I'm gonna be a horrible dad when I'm gone, I could say I left them rich. You know, I'm trying to do that, uh, or somehow make up for it. Uh, but speaking of which, on the Sopranos, I have to say, and Andy, I show I, I, I was a little excited about this, but I shared this with you. The guy I forget, Shippera, I forget he played Bobby Bacala. On the Sopranos, I reached out to both him and Michael Imperioli, who played uh, Christopher, and and showed him that latest clip of me doing Tony Soprano on um, Gary Owen's podcast. It was like, yo, I would love to do y'all podcast. I didn't think either one of them would get back to me, but I certainly felt like uh, Michael Imperioli wouldn't. But uh, Bobby did, and but I and I just happened to see the clip where their their last guest was David Chase. Yeah, and I sent that to you. Yeah. I sent it to you today. Well, no, I saw that before. Before, that. but I sent it to you today. Before yeah, that. I yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, and they did their very last episode of the Sopranos podcast, and I don't even think they got to hundred. I think they were at seventy six. And I was thinking to myself, yeah how how long did you how long could you do that podcast if all y'all talk about is the Sopranos and that's all they talked about? You're not going to get to episode five hundred and forty. Yeah, you, so th- 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 there was a limit on that. There's a limit on it, but I mean, they could have gotten into more detail on some because people have questions. I, if you look on, I mean, I'm sure I know that you're a Sopranos fan, so I know you looked on YouTube. There's there's questions about every detail in in every episode. Oh, listen, you like could, Star Trek or like any favorite show that's been hugely popular, there are fanatics. I'm but, one of them. Okay, but going back to the, that, you just said that you saw that clip. What did David Chase say about is Tony dead or not? Oh, I didn't, I, you know, you sent me the clip. I watched about a minute of it uh, and I intended to watch the rest today. When you watch today, just for everybody out there who thought that I was some whack job, he said he never said Tony's dead. That's still up for debate. I thought I saw something where he confirmed that that is what he said. What he said, and he says it in this, if you listen to it, he said that he said they had ideas. He never confirmed that he's actually dead dead. Is what he said at the at this, but in the thing that I saw, I thought that he confirmed that he was dead too. But in this, right. the, the last episode, he says, "I never said he was dead, dead." Right. So, uh, um, and 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 Bobby, so he he responded. He said, "Dude, I would have loved to have had you on, but yeah, we just did our last episode." And I said, "Fuck." Uh, well, listen, man, if you ever do anything where you need me to do that, you know, just put the lasagna in the air, nigga. I'm there. 
And he was like, oh, absolutely, for sure. And he was like, great fucking impression, by the way. So, oh, man. Dude, I just watched uh, uh, like a reunion interview that they had. It's It was a while ago that they had that reunion interview. And just the way that they talk about uh, Gandolfini, like, uh, you know, and he, he had his problems. Right. And he had his problems on set. But oh, I didn't know that. I would have loved to have seen that. He just, you know, he could drink. Really? Uh, Michael, one of the things I just saw was that Michael Imperial is talking about uh, that they had a scene that they had to shoot, but they had to get the lighting right. And they had to, re- they had to wait for the sun to go down and then they were going to light it. And uh, so it was going to take a few hours after they rehearsed it, got everything right, got the blocking right, got everything set up. And, and they said it could take up to a couple hours. So they went to back to the trailer, I guess, and uh, they had a bottle. I think he said wild turkey. I'm, I might be using the wrong bourbon, but I guess it was a bourbon. They said they went back there with a the full bottle, and a couple hours later, the bottle was empty. Mm. And so that they, uh, but what was funny, you know, the, and, he, and, he, and Michael Imperioli did say, I don't recommend doing this, but he was talking about one of his favorite scenes with, uh, with, with uh, James Gandolfini. He said, so they, they actually chained their ankles to uh, like supports because they were afraid they're going to fall off this hill that they're, for, that they're doing it on. Because that's right. where they're throwing the body at the body off the. Uh, off. Oh right, right, right! Because they were drunk. They were so drunk that they were afraid that they one of them was going to fall off the hill, if not both. Oh, that's funny. So they chain. They put all these leaves and everything on the ground so you don't see the chains, and uh, yeah, I mean there was you know, there, 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 similar to that, there was a moment uh, where I was watching something. Uh, I, 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 fuck, I can't remember what it was, but it was something similar to that. And remember the episode with, with Christopher and Paulie with the Russian in the woods? Yeah. In the snow? That scene where Tony goes to get to goes to meet Bobby, because Bobby's gonna take him in the car to try to find them. And uh this this is the joke I'm gonna the, the moment I'm gonna reveal, I'm gonna reveal. But there was the thing that made me laugh too was when he walks in, uh Uncle June goes, You've been eating steak. And now prior to that, that's when Gloria through the stake at Tony's head. But in that scene, the way we see it, when Bobby walks in, he's got on the reflector vest. Yeah. And 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 the fucking hat, the funny hat. And you 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 see him walk in the room, then you cut to Tony and Tony starts dying laughing. They said when they really shot that scene to get James to laugh, the way we saw him laugh, Bobby walks in and he's got like a human size dick dildo in his in his hands. So he walked in with like a jumbo cock. And that's why James Gandolfini started dying. Well, uh, Lorraine Baracco is talking about when they would do their scenes. Uh, you know how they're opposite cameras. Right. So he would get up and he would just start dancing or doing whatever he wanted to do. T- taking off his clothes, whatever he wanted to do, he right. would do. And She's like, are, are you guys serious? And they come, they are like, come on, just get your get get your scene. And they go, are you not seeing this? Like he, right, he would right. be so very, you know. I don't know how we got from on the Sopranos, but let, let's let's do this then. Who is uh, who's Tony in in uh, in the in, on Sesame Street? Which which Muppet is Tony? It has to be Oscar, right? Yeah, because everybody else is happy. You know, Tony's closest to the grouch in terms of, you know what I mean? Yeah, which one's Christopher then? (sighs) I don't know, but I'd say Pussy is the cookie monster. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was going to say uh, uh, the count is uh, what's his, what, what's the I forgot the name the one with the gray on the side of his hair. Paulie. Paulie. He's Paulie because he has that a little bit. Okay. Of okay. Gray. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, the motherfuckers is too happy, man. You know, the 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 the, the you know the, the Sopranos is dark motherfuckers. You know, it's re- I, I this is how messed up I am. I was I, I I've been watching a little bit of Soprano stuff. I don't see it that dark. That's how fucked up my life is. I don't even see it that dark. I know everybody mm. thinks that I'm happy, like like I'm a happy person, or like I, I see the world for. I just don't see it that fucked up is the problem. I'm I'm okay with fucked up. That's what it that's what it breaks down to. Right. Uh, so that's really my problem. All right. Uh you got any more? No, that's it, brother. All right. So let me just tell everybody again, we're at the Miami Improv this weekend, the 30th through the second. We're gonna be there. Don't forget, get your tickets for the 31st if you want to come ring in the New Year's with Aries. I will be there myself. And then we're gonna be at uh Helium St. Louis, the 6th through the 9th. Uh, uh, that should be some fun shows. I liked, uh, I liked the last time we were there quite a bit, actually. Uh, and then we're going to be at, we haven't, we haven't, this is new, right? The Improv Milwaukee? You haven't been there, right? Yes, that's new. That's new. So we're going to be there the 13th through the 16th. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And then we're going to be here, here, since you're looking forward to it, we're going to be at the Cleveland Improv, the 21st to the 23rd. <sighs> Aries, can I get you anything? Do you need anything, Aries? You, you don't want none of this. <laughs> I don't know who was worse. Nah, she was. I was going to say her or Alpha Mississippi, but nah, she was worse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you, we, we talked about it in the podcast. I don't know what episode is it, but white leather, was it a white leather jacket she was wearing? No, black. Black leather jacket. She had on all red. Okay. Uh, she, uh, she stood up in front of the stage and told Aries that he just really couldn't handle. And her son was as ignorant as her. You know what? I'm Both sure. Both the motherfuckers had to be thrown out. I'm sure they were just a little intoxicated. Shit, that ain't intoxication, nigga. That's a history of failure. <laughs> and then on the 28th and 29th of January, Aries is going to be at uh, the Denver uh, Improv. And I will be back at St. Louis Helium doing the garage for two shows on uh, the also on the 28th and 29th. So come see us if you get a chance. Oh, I lost. Did you hear? I went through puberty right now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so come. What happened? Did your balls dry? <laughs> Dude, I like when we talk. You know what? This was a hard episode for me because it is. Uh, honestly, I, I like when we talk about the darker stuff that we talk about. You know, when you use a knife. You can't harness all the little delicacies of terror. You want to know which one of your friends were cowards? Why so serious? <laughs> Such fucking great writing. Oh my so God. amazing. Are you fucking kidding me? Holy shit. Uh, God, I, I was trying to think if I could come up with a bit real quick, but not really. Um, well, whatever. You know, my dad... <laughs> used to say to me, why so serious? All right, and cut. Uh, Acting, tape, audition, James Gandolfini. You know, my father used to say to me, my father used to say to me, he took a knife. Why so fucking serious? All right, I've beat that to death. (laughs) All right, musically coming up.
Uh, as always, folks, please, Spearsburg Pod, Instagram, Spearsburg Pod, YouTube, Spearsburg Pod, Twitter, Spearsburg Pod, Facebook, Fear, Spear, Sphere, Spearsburg Pod, Instagram, Patreon, all of that. All right. V Quavers. Uh, Instagram is the number eight and then F-I-F-T-Y problem. Twitter is the problem 850. D-A-P-R-O-B-L-E-M 850, the number. Facebook, same thing. The problem and the number 850. YouTube, the problem 850, the number. Spotify is just the problem. D-A-P-R-O-B-L-E-M. Apple Music, the problem. And TikTok, the problem. Nigga, if your music is not good, we gonna have the problems. All right. I think we he's should got start. Three... Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, he's got three songs. The one I'm going to pick is called Watch Me Slide by The Problem. Go ahead. What were we going to say? We should, we should start our own uh, label. should be called uh, Roosevelt Franklin. <laughs> and black people will have it dismissed immediately. <laughs> I'll get I'll get caught I'll, I'll be uh, called for cultural appropriation. All right, man. That's an episode, All right, brother. Uh, yeah, that's it. See y'all tomorrow for the emails. SOP my leg, you yeah, call me the problem, yes sir, the young spit. I come up the south, automatic the trigger. Don't want the fame, just really want figures. And I got a bad baby down the ride. About to exit off 10 to no side. Hit the stove for some blunts, then we fire. It's my year, my time, now watch me slide. Now I'ma slide, bitch. Now watch me slide, ooh. Now I'ma slide, bitch. Now watch me slide, ooh. Now I'ma slide, bitch. Now watch me slide, ooh. I'm a slide, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now watch uh, me slide, whoa. Huh. You see, I stick and move, whoa. Like the boy Kodak, huh? This be the problem, ain't fit yeah. The nigga need yeah. to know that, yeah. Yeah. huh? Yeah. I feel like one the wheel of fortune. Where's Pat Sajak? Huh. I got insurance on the flow. Call that bitch at black. Yeah. Look, it's time to get a million like the boy Meek. Huh. Home about shit, feeling like Big Meech. Home a young tall shit, let your boy preach. Problem. I have a dream, Dr. King's on the beat. The problem ain't fit to be the beast bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Always keep the shit solid like concrete. A permanent stain on your brain like bleach. You better book me now while it's cheap for a beach. I gotta get it, cause the money keep me motivated. I put it down for my city, but they still hate it. Oh, that's a bitch, but she let me still penetrate it. Now I'ma slide on your fuck niggas aggravated. Huh. Trying to set the paper, tell her reach the full bliss. About my blue seat notes and dead presidents. I gotta get up on my grind, cause it's heaven.
Thanks for listening to the Spears and Steinberg podcast. If you'd like to know who's responsible for this shit, well, it was hosted by Ari Spears and Andy Steinberg, produced by Steve Merrick and Anthony Holmes, executive producer, Big Papa, Robert Kelly, and Matt Klein-Schmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast. For more information on where to find us on the internet, visit www.spearsbergpod.com. Shit to me! Don't you think you're being kind of hard on a guy? You go fuck yourself, convict!